Welcome, everybody, to Mormons on Mushrooms. Uh, just a reminder that this is a storytelling podcast where we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a more fulfilling life. A lot of times on the podcast, we discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health top priority. Uh, lastly, the opinions offered by our guests don't necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts. Sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. Okay, uh, yeah, Mother Earth Day. Uh, I've got a complicated relationship with my mom, you know? <laughs> I'll probably start crying here in a second. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things where she, there's a line in here where I say she's blessed with faith and cursed with sons. Uh, you know, it's hard, I think, for like a mom to raise boys and then have them leave her faith. So she's probably weirded out by them. But, you know, thank you. I love her. Okay, so if you guys will sing this with me, I'll try to get through it. Us, but I know that they still love us. 
Hummus pizza made an appearance. That was good, man. Yeah. 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 It was nice. Yeah. yeah that's, 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 that's what I was listening. I, I, I think it's established. We've talked about this. I rarely, it, I rarely feel FOMO. In fact, I told Mike, I feel, what did I decide we call it? Phobie. I, I, I have fear of being included a lot of the time, you know, yeah. where I'm just like, I'd rather chill at home. But you two were making me feel lots of FOMO this weekend. Lots. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, over the weekend or when you after you after left? left? Saturday and Sunday, I was just like, dude, they're still having the best time. And I'm sitting here and I'm not going to lie to you. We totally did. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm over there. I'm over there sitting in like a high school gymnasium for six hours watching volleyball, which I quite love watching volleyball. Oh, yeah. But. Volleyball does not compare to the amount of good times the two of you were having over the weekend. So I was feeling FOMO. But you got, but you got to do both, dude. You got to do both. That's true. You did get to do both. That's true. Because that it true. was, you guys. I mean, I'm not gonna like try not to oversell this, but it was one of the best weekends of my fucking life. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. It was, it was so magical. I couldn't believe it. Like honestly, you guys, and I told this to so many people that I met. I can't believe that I just got introduced to something that I didn't even know I wanted. And now that I'm here, I'm so fucking happy. Oh yeah, man. Like I'm so happy. It's like, this is like the greatest surprise party that anybody could have given to me. I mean, I, I honestly, I felt like it was, I felt like it was my birthday because I'm showing up to this, this place with all of these people and I'm having these amazing conversations People are telling me about, you know, everything like, when did you leave the church? What was your f- first psychedelic experience? You know, what's the, I mean, just those two in and of themselves. And you start to go down those amazing rabbit holes. 
the conversations just like they, they create themselves. It was so, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Mm. I was so oh connected. It was, it was awesome. Well, I, awesome. Greg, I, you're, you're, you're giving a lot of credit to those conversations that just create themselves. But I was, I, I think I told you this, I was observing you. I was like watching you in the wild, <laughs> you know, like David Attenborough hiding behind the bushes. Like, and here we have the, okay, well, wait a minute. Wild it- Greg. All right, so is this like a Sasquatch thing or is this like a lion thing? I feel like you're like uh, the, 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 the fire and energy of a rising Phoenix, the head of a lion, the, 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 the build of like this gorilla, like you were every I, bad description. But the, the point I'm trying to make is I was really watching you introduce yourself to people get to know people. And it was no, I was so fascinated because it was no small talk. It was instantly into this connective, like kind of conversation that can make you see and feel another person's heart and soul. And they were seeing and feeling your heart and soul. And that's why there was, I was, I mean, it was, there was electric, there was electricity going on. The space was magic. All the people there were, were magic. The conversations were magic, but dude, I was kind of keeping my eye on you and you're a big part of that magic. I was like, taking notes like, okay, this is how I can be better at walking around socializing and mingling with people because he's, he's not going around being like, can you believe this rain? Like who fucking cares about the rain? The rain's awesome. Like whatever. But uh, you are not doing those. Remember when we were checking out for groceries and I asked her like, um, well, we were talking about the rain in uh, we were at the checkout counter with the, uh, the grocery store clerk. And I actually called it moisture. <laughs> yeah, he he dropped the moisture. He dropped. Well, I moisture. started to and caught myself, yeah. and I'm like, oh wait, did I always just say moisture? That was pretty funny. <laughs> the, well, the mountains need the moisture. You know? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, Greg, I did want to ask you though, because we're talking about animals. Didn't you have like a Vedic astrology animal that's yours? Is, can you divulge that, or is that like a temple name? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> my temple name. Oh my gosh. I think I remember it. Um, Greg, what's anyway. your temple name? Do you remember? Um, if I saw it, I would remember. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> but, and your, for, but your Vedic astrology. Oh, so this Vedic astrologer, dude. Oh, my God. You know, we talk about opportunities to try and understand ourselves. And I know that you guys do a lot of tarot and you explain how the tarot works, that it's really just revealing parts of us that want to be explored. And we can we can read into it as much as we want to or as little as we want to. But there are clues that happen all over the place. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was told by a, a close friend that I respect, you really need to get in touch with this particular astrologer. And. I had to wait like three months to get an appointment with this guy. And when we had our reading, he told me things that I I could feel in my body. I could feel in my body and I could feel it in my soul and I could feel it in my alignment. There's something here that if I really access this, it's going to be very, very significant. And so many things that he's talked about have already come true for me. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. Now, all of the really cool stuff that's already synced up and I've already, like some of the dates have already passed and things like totally happened, totally happened. And I'm seeing it. There's all of that wonderful information that I got, but here's the cool part. He told me I'm a chimera, 
which is oh, like, hell yeah, dude. you know what a chimera is? Fuck yeah, I know what a chimera. I'm right. nerdy like that, dude. Yes. <laughs> so a lion, a head. What is it? The head of a lion, the tail of a serpent, and then a goat head out of its back that shoots fire. Like how rad is that? Isn't the isn't the whole chimera kind of like a fire animal? Like isn't it? Isn't the whole thing though like in flames? Like isn't it kind of like a phoenix where it exists in fire? You know, it, like the it, chimera. It maybe I. I mean, I own, I had never heard of it until he told me, and then I went back and looked it up, and I was like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, like, dude, chimeras whoa. are badass. They have scale. <laughs> I think they have scales too, right? Am I think? Yeah, they have scales. So it's maybe. head and body of a lion, but scales. And then a snake tail. Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. And a fire-breathing goat. Dude. Are you kidding me? How much more metal can you get? That's so rad. That's, yeah, you you, you can't get more metal than that. Like, literally, most, <laughs> most metal bands it, include a fire-breathing goat on their t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh thought gosh. of that when you were talking about the, you were associating him with animals. I was like, I think you told me you were a chimera once. <laughs> And I wanted you to say it. Um, so with that in mind, let's introduce who the hell we're talking to. So we're here with Greg Butcher. We'll tell the story about how Greg and I met in a bit. But like Greg brought this thing. I want to read it because I, I think I love it. So Greg is living his dream life. He's on his path. He's living his dharma. But he went through a lot of challenges to get there. He's an, ex- an executive coach. He teaches techniques on how to live a happier, more peaceful, more fulfilling life. He's helped build several companies. He's a certified Kundalini yoga instructor, which is how we met, spoiler alert. And he was president of the UCLA LDS Institute in the early 90s. <laughs> like, that's the best end cap. Like all this way cool shit, building companies, t- teaching Kundalini <laughs> yoga, living your dharma. Oh, and by the way, in the 90s, he was the, he- he was the president of the institute. <laughs> like that's the best end cap. I bet you probably had it on your resume for a while too, right? You know, actually I did. I, yeah. I totally, I totally, I, dude, I put, I put the mission and I put yeah. the, and the Institute. Are you kidding me? Who Hell doesn't yeah, want, who doesn't want to hire a Mormon? That's what I'm Honestly, saying. Honestly. Yeah. They fit right into the system anywhere you want to plug them <laughs> in, baby. Seriously. We all, we all understand hierarchy. Yeah. We all understand instruction. We all understand just have faith. Right. Yep. Did you guys see that series called Bad Vegan? No, I, it keeps recommending to me to watch it. It's okay. on Netflix, right? Yes, it is. So here's my advice. Watch the first episode and then watch the last half of the last episode. Okay. Because okay. everything in between is pretty much the same thing. All gaslighting, all telling people what to do, all telling people like you, you're, you are nothing without me. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, it totally like dialed into that conversation you guys had recently with Steve Urquhart when you were talking about like the Disney movies and being angry with the church, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's because this whole thing like falls totally in line with these, with this system that's this recognized system called the drama triangle. And this drama triangle, it's such a, tr- you know what? Maybe we, let's, let's, let's talk about let's talk, Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit later. Okay. Dude, That's a good I, thing. yeah, I want to, I want to talk. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we have covered so far 
but I kind of just want to back us up a little bit. And can we talk about the first ever Mormons on Mushrooms Roadshow for a second? Dude, it was like Mormon Palooza. Right? It was amazing. It was vulgar and profane and silly, but it still maintained some weird, like, ethnic Mormonism to it, didn't it? Like, we still had some Mormonism in there. 100%. 100%. Oh, man. In the best ways. In the best ways. Yeah. Well, starting it out, I mean, it like, so, Greg, you went up and played that sound bowl. (laughs) Perfect. And then, uh, you know, Seth did that guided meditation and just, it just showed that like, this is something different, you know? Yeah. And I almost joked and said that was the most culty thing we we do for the night, but it just felt great. It just set the the perfect tone. And then we had that, uh, do you remember the woman's name who brought up her trophy? Kelly. Ellie. Okay. Ellie. Yeah. Yeah, She brought up a trophy that she'd won at a roadshow for best actress. In 1979, she won that trophy for best actress in her roadshow. And she brought that it up. Was that, so, that was so rad. <laughs> that was so cool, man. And then just I from love there, that. the music, like you said, Doug, there were these beautiful heart opening songs. There were silly songs. There were, uh, we had, we just kind of ran the gamut of all of it. And all of the guests we brought on, whether it was uh, Mike Simmons, the space druid or uh, Tanner and Samantha from self on the shelf or Tess, or uh, even the two people we met the night before, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron and Nan, like they, they got up there and what was that one? Like turtleneck threesome, that song that they did. Yeah. <laughs> that was so radical. And then Marianne, what about Marianne getting up there, knocking out of the park by just the simple thing of playing. I wish I were an Oscar Meyer wiener. <laughs> and then, so we're all laughing and, and it's good times. Oh, thanks, Marianne. That's fun. And then she just drops us in with like the most personal like heart string pulling song ever. And it's just like, Oh, we are into it tonight. Like we're doing some shit. Like that was, and that was really, that was really fun. Mike, what was your, what was your experience of the, of the whole thing? Like, I mean, cause I've never played music. I, I mean, I, we've been playing guitar for three and a half years, writing music for three. What was your experience with that? It was, I can't even describe it. It was surreal. I never thought I'd be up there playing not only music, but music that I wrote in front of a crowd. Yeah. And a crowd that was so loving and generous and like heart opening that I felt like, you know what I can do, I can make all the mistakes and it doesn't matter. There's just well, so much love. We did. I mean, we, we yeah. made all of the mistakes. We had microphone I mean? issues. We only had one mic when we wanted three that mic kept falling over. Uh, we had a lot of issues. <laughs> we needed a drum. We, we didn't have a drum, but like we made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I I'll be the first to admit that I was nervous. And so my, Terrifying. my, my voice was pitchy and weird. My guitar playing was uh, off. We, we made mistakes, but did you ever feel imbe- like once we were up there, I could feel the energy of all of us in there. We were in this like, we were breathing together. We were heaving together. It was like this, it was this container that we were all in like a spell that we were under. And it was like the mistakes almost added to it a little bit where it was like, there's something very real happening right now. And, and then, and we don't always get that with things that are completely polished and rehearsed and ready. Right. And I, 
there was something very innately the human experience that, that, that I, that I had up there, you know, normally that's, I think I, I, for me, I, if I were to go back, I'd be like, God, don't, don't do too many self-deprecating things. Don't, 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 you know, vocally judge yourself as much as I did. But even in those moments, I just felt safe up there. Yeah. I was like, Oh, it's okay. You know? And I also felt like hearing people cheer for songs that we've written is maybe the very best feeling that I've ever had in my life. (laughs) The best feeling ever. Right. It's so good. And I had this other moment that was really surreal for me when we had kind of, we kicked it off. um, You know, Mike Simmons had played and then Tanner and Sam were up there from stuff on the shelf. And it was kind of surreal because they were two people who I really looked up to when I was leaving the church. um, And I loved their content and Tanner wrote the most beautiful songs, man. They were just like heart opening folksy enchanted songs. And I had a moment where he just kind of ripped my heart open. And I was sitting there thinking like all these people here and this beautiful vibe we're creating, this is what healing looks like. That's what Mm. it was. It was like the ceiling of this is what healing looks like. We're all laughing and crying and celebrating together in this intimate container. And it was like, is, could this, could this really, could this moment be real or am I dreaming right now? And that's what it felt like. That's what I felt. I mean, you, you really, we really were a big group of bent and harmed and shattered and healing humans coming together and just seeing each other, you know, letting people just be seen and be loved. And there was something that there was something that I experienced um, when, you know, Tess was doing a song that was like a, like a sing-along, you know, the wolf howl at the moon song. So good. Was there anything more beautiful? It was, I mean, Tess was amazing and she That's was on key and she's house. like, she's like such a musician. You know what I mean? It's like not even fair how fucking she's a good musician. She is. She's a fucking rock star. But on top of that, you had everyone in there doing their own howl that was coming from them. And it was gravelly and high and low and loud and soft. And everyone had their own howl. And to hear it harmonize, to, to hear it all come together and sound like the, the wild in us is coming out in whatever way possible. And yet it's, it's sinking up and I'm, I'm here. I'm part of this. Holy shit. I'm howling. I'm howling. God damn it. Is this real? Can I really be howling? <laughs> that was the moment for me where I, I, I mean, I was bawling. I was bawling during that. Like, look at us all howl. So thanks, Tess. Greg, I kind of want to hear what your experience was like from, from the, the audience. This one. Yeah. I, um, I was sitting in the front row of the uh, chairs. And so I had a fantastic perspective from where I was sitting. And first of all, I want to address, Doug, everything that you said clearly, clearly is part of your experience 
it was actually, I felt the same way when I went up there just to play the, the bowl. Mm. I think, and every single person that went up there felt the same thing. So <laughs> I knocked over the bowl when we finished. <laughs> so like, I thought, well, that was not graceful. It kind of, I kind of felt like I was watching like this, this runway model, like go down the, <laughs> the, the aisle and then go back. And just before they get off stage, like they totally trip and yard sale, like all over the, the catwalk or something. So it just like makes it like the funny thing at the end. And that's kind of what I felt like when I, after I did the, the opening uh, bell or the opening bowl, and then it knocked over and I put it back up and I thought to myself, you idiot. Like everybody saw that, but that conversation in my mind lasted for about a half of a nanosecond because yeah. then the other part of me came in and just said, dude, you know what? Nobody here cares. Nobody here cares. Do you feel the love in this room? And no one's going to remember. And what was interesting was that every single act that went up messed up somewhere yeah and it was so endearing and we yeah. all felt it and i actually was sitting right next to marianne i don't know if she messed up she may have messed up a little bit once but she came back and she sat next to me and i just said that was absolutely beautiful the whole place it was the only time when the entire yoga studio was completely silent where no one was talking that's during so that true it was so oh. amazing and i told her that Cause she, there's no way she would, there's no way she would have experienced. I mean, she's up there just like us nervous. Right. Yep. When she came back and I said, you were the only song where everybody in this whole yoga studio stopped talking. It, it's true. I mean, cause there's always going to be some whispering or some little chatting, yeah. little, that kind of thing. But that it's place, silence. she held us in her spell. Totally, totally, totally. So my point is we were all bewitched by that, by her performance. And all of us were totally bewitched by the performance that you and Mike gave. It was, it was fantastic. It was beautiful. I mean, to start off the whole thing with that song that, that we sang a a couple of months ago, you know, whenever I hear the song of a bird, people next to me, like gave out a sigh, like they went, oh, like that. And I was just like, oh my God, my heart is about ready to explode. It was so beautiful. It was so- I had, Greg, I had the same experience listening to Mike sing that song. Like I, I was trying to, I was trying to describe it to my wife actually, but it was almost like Mike was, Mike in that song, first of all, Mike, it was beautiful. Second of all, in that song, it was like Mike was taking these fractured halves of the apostate me and the Peter Priesthood, goody two-shoes Mormon me, and he was like fitting them together where they're okay, where it was, it's okay. And that's how we started the thing. Shit, Mike, that's what started the thing. You know, it's like, we just went right into it. Greg did the bowl and it just brought it brought atmosphere. It brought the environment, it brought everybody in. And then Seth did the meditation and those, those sighs and those heaves that got us all breathing the same air. So now we're, now we're in a container. Thanks to Greg. We're breathing together because of Seth. And then Mike, like 
like molt, like brings broken parts of our hearts back together. Michael, come on, brother. I'm getting emotional come on. about that, man. I'm emotional just just like reliving it right now. I'm thinking about Dang. like how I felt. It was it was it it was it, it's still resonating with a lot of people. Now I'm still buzzing from it too. I'm it's what it's three days late, four days later. I'm still buzzing from that thing. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Greg. That was a beautiful thing. Well, I'm gonna do one more thank you to Doug because if <laughs> it was just that, that's great. But then it's also like, man, are we getting too serious? Are we taking ourselves too seriously? <laughs> and then Doug, you come in with your Layman and Lemuel song. That's just I mean, you were like, when we gotta build this fucking boat, I don't know if it'll even flow. <laughs> Like that's just like, it's okay to be, it's okay to feel and be all heartfelt and merged together. And it's also it's okay to laugh and start creating new myths. And that was a theme of the night. Like you were like, what about the myth of Layman and Lemuel? What about their story? And then Mike Simmons gets up there and is irreverent and all of his stuff. And so funny. And just was bringing the house down. Dude, Mike, Mike Simmons, like that. Like he's doing those impressions, like as if like, oh, what if Adam Sandler wrote a primary song? What if Neil Diamond wrote it? I was like, holy shit. And he starts talking about like, I tied you to the bed so we could come to, so we could come together. I was like, oh, we're going nuts tonight now. And then I remember one of Tanner's songs that really ripped me open was about like stories and like, can we, can stories, I forgot what he said, but something about stories changing or can we shift our stories? And I think yeah. this will tie into the drama triangle you were talking about later, Greg, but like, Yes, that was that night is evidence that we can shift our stories and tell new stories. And how cool is that? That we get to come there. We're, we're all carrying the, the collective stories that we've been told. And maybe now we're in a, a very much of a villain mode to some people, or we're still in the victim mode because the church hurt us and broke us in many ways. But how can we change the narrative? How can we, we rewrite the story and create something new? And I think that night was, that was an evidence of it. Totally. And where we can go from here. And when we sang at the end, Doug, raise your glasses high for tomorrow we may die. And you, you did the role of the fairy king and like, holy shit, man. I can't be more in love with you. <laughs> it was in that moment. <laughs> Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't know that I, I you know, it's the intro that that song is the intro to the podcast, but I don't know that anybody knew that it's a song, right? I mean, that it's a song that Mike wrote. And so it was fun. Like I was the, the whole night I was so, I was so nervous and, and shy being up there that I really closed my eyes literally the whole time I was up there. But during that song, my eyes were wide open and I was just looking around at people and seeing people raise their glasses high and sing along with that song and just be like, dude, we are dropping old myths. We're dropping old stories. We're dropping that, which is trying to tear us down and, 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 and make us feel less than it was whatever it was 90 people doing that together. It was, yeah. I really enjoyed that part a lot. Like, that was cool because, you know, for me, I had had a, gosh, it's just like a tour de force where you got everybody that went up there and then test. And then I tried to get up there and do a song about my, by the way, that song about my mom, only like five people have heard it, it ever, including my mother. And so to do it in front of people was 
very nerve wracking. Obviously I was, I was quite emotional. I mean, you know, you could tell that I was really struggling to get through it, but to go from that, which is like my deepest wound to swaying and doing the fairy King together and yelling, raise your glasses high. It's just like, there's no thing that we, that we never have to be one thing. We can do all of these things and we'll all go together on that journey. We'll all go together on that emotional roller coaster. Oh my gosh. I, I know we're just raving, but I just had so much fun. One more thing. It's not just, we can also feel all those things and all those things are fine. We can feel spiritual at the beginning with a meditation and a, a sound bath kind of uh, the, the bowl. We can feel our hearts ripped open. We can feel profane and sacrilegious. We can laugh loud. You know, we don't have to avoid laugh, loud laughter. All emotions are valid. We can feel fucking uh, sexy as fuck when or like watching uh, watching tests just like melt everyone's hearts, the men and the women. <laughs> wow. What a powerhouse. Yeah. What a powerhouse. Yeah, man. Where did Shalise came up and said, um, I think I'm starting to like women now after that. And I was like, yeah, uh, you can see why. <laughs> yeah. And all, all of it's valid. It's all valid. So it's all valid. Hey, what, what about uh, if we were to do it again, what kind of things would y'all maybe want to tweak or change or get rid of or improve? I think there's some just logistical things. I mean, this was, you know, you're, you're the first time you've ever done anything like this, totally organic kind of last minute, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing formal. Everything in this whole production was informal. And I think if you start to just formalize a couple of things and you don't have, and you certainly don't have to reinvent the wheel, there's, you know, you just talk to people that do this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I think you, I, I think it would be, I think it would flow, you know, and I think that there would be obviously less technical issues, which again, wasn't bad for this first time around because it was so informal that everybody was like, this is beautiful. Right. I think you can just bring some small bits of formalities to certain aspects of it and still totally, totally keep the authenticity and the vulnerability that, you know, just permeated that space. I mean, I'm just imagining again, like how much bigger next year is it going to be? And if we felt that kind of vibration, if we felt that kind of vibration with like 70 people, what's that vibration going to feel like when there are 400 people in there? It's going to be insane. It's going to light up that city like someone's going to be able to someone's going to be thinking you're growing weed in that club because it's going to be so hot right someone's got an infrared camera on that thing they're like what's going on in that place i don't know <laughs> Dude, that that room was piping hot too by the way wasn't it it got really hot towards the end man <laughs> or like <Yeah>. in the middle <laughs> i mean for me I, I mean it would have been nice to have two mics you know that and that that but the, that's kind of the beauty of it too is that I was really stressed out about that at the beginning. Cause I'm like, if Doug and I can't riff on two mics, like how does this thing even work? But it's kind of one of those things that once people were there, it's like, it's so easy to let things go. It's like, Oh, yep. you know what? We got one mic. We'll make do. And yeah, it was rad. It's so funny. Like I'm the, you know, we, you know, Mike and I, and you know, you, Greg, we're, we're from out of town. 
the only mic that ended up working was the was the shitty old microphone that I brought. I wish I, I, I really wish I would have known and I would have, I mean, I would have bought a couple of, you know, for what, a hundred bucks or so, we could have gotten some microphones that, I, I, yeah, I, I wish we had some mics and, and better mics. But nothing, no, hold on a second, nothing to regret. No, 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 nothing to regret, just a change in the future. You know, This is just information moving forward. This yeah. is how we get better. We, we, we didn't mess up at all. Nobody, you guys didn't mess up. Nobody messed up. It went perfectly, perfectly. Yeah. If you would have changed anything, it would have been less perfect. It was perfect the way it is. Mm. And now moving forward, we're going to make it even more perfect. Hell yeah. We're going to take it up an octave. I can't wait. A to couple, a couple, yeah, a couple octaves. Let's take it up. You know, I, it did make you understand why, like why venues like the importance of a venue, right? So it's pretty draining. Like we, we set that space up and we're putting up chairs and we're fucking with the sound system and all that kind of stuff. And it's by the time everybody gets there, it's like, oh, we've been working all day on this thing. You, you know what I mean? So you understand why there's like venues. And instead of like asking some, asking someone, you know, Spencer, hey, can you go check tickets? Just have a person to check tickets, you know? Um, instead of everybody just kind of hodgepodge bringing their shit, borrowing each other's music, all guitars and all that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, let's make sure we have a kit. Like, let's make sure if we want, if we want a drum, let's have a drum there. If we want some guitar, let's have some guitars there, you know, type of thing. And then also, you know, for me, and maybe I'm the only one that was, was kind of feeling this thing, but I don't think so. Cause we've talked about it. I, I feel like it was a little going forward, I, I think I would put more structure to it as far as it's like, everybody's kind of milling about and socializing. And then Mike, you and I just are sitting up there and we're like, okay, uh, quiet, quiet, everybody. We're going to try and get started here. And I think that we can add to the magic a little bit by, I think we should have had an MC, someone who can work the crowd a little bit and kind of get, get the atmosphere, like get the hype up a little bit and get people feeling some kind of way and introducing each act. Like Mike and I, you, you and I took turns like, okay, this next act is, uh, you know, Tess. And it's like, no, we want someone to say something about Tess. We want someone to like get people excited to hear Tess and be like, okay, wow, here she comes, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And I would agree. We'll I love it. Love it. But so, so those weren't mistakes. Those were just, if we were to do something like that again, that's a couple of the things that I would, probably improve on. Totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. It's just, it, it was, it was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was everything it was supposed to be and it's just going to get better. Yeah. And I just think, um, I mean, I've always been a dreamer, right. But like when that vibe in that room that we created with those 80 so people and it was all, everyone in that room was creating that vibe together when that vibe continues to ripple out, you can see how we as a Mormon people start to wake up, you know? And, um, you know, Steve Urquhart sent us the best fucking voice messages I've ever gotten in my life the day after. And he said a thing, which I think will tie into our discussion with the drama triangle is that you take this oppressive religion that's been smothering the Mormon people. And we are the Mormon people. 
Like, you know, you can have like unorthodox Jews. They're still Jews. Like we are the Mormon yeah. people. You take this restrictive thing away from them. Now we're just liberated Mormons and we can Mormon however we want a Mormon, you know, but we're still the same beautiful heart open, like saving the world, carrying the, you know, the, I will go, I will do. We saw that <laughs> same shit in us the whole time. Right. Like now we're, now we're free. Now we're free to like, to laugh loud and be irreverent and be whatever we want to be and explore the space, explore the space. Ooh, I love that. Explore space. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a couple of currently devout members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints there. Yeah. And they told me they had the time of their lives. And the reason I differentiated, I, I, they were there, they are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But you know what they also are? Mormons. Like the, the church doesn't want the word, the name Mormon anymore. And I say, I say, we'll take we it. Take it. I say we take it, man. Yeah, man. I love Charged. the name. It's up for grabs. <laughs> Trademark. TM. Mormons. Mormons. <laughs> and speaking of Mormons, you always know when you, you find one. And so this, can I talk about when we met Greg for the first time? Oh, Yeah. Tell that story, Mike. I love that story. Well, I love it because it's one more synchronicity. So I'm doing a, so I get invited to go to a Kundalini yoga. I think I've talked about this on the podcast when I went down to Huntington beach, it's four 30 in the morning, you know, the Kundalini yoga instructor, Sid, uh, creating Sid is her handle on uh, Instagram. I've done those uh, two 40 day sadhanas with her and she lived in Peru at the time. So she was coming back. She's like, Hey, I'm going to be in Huntington beach. I'm doing this two and a half hour long echoing car chanting on the beach and um, where you do a specific chant and for two and a half hours. I mean, it's, it is what it says it is. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm in any chance to meet Sid. I'm in. So I'm showing there it's pitch black. There's just a little light there on the beach. And this guy comes up to me and super friendly. You just kind of feel the love from him. Just like beaming love. Cause I'm just like nervous. It's all dark. Um, but immediately felt safe. And we start chatting and it turns out he grew up just not far from my home here. So we were chatting about like the high schools in the area and stuff. And he said, did you go to high school here? I said, no, I actually grew up in Utah. He's like, well, I'm going to blow your mind. I was, I was born in Utah. And so we gave, and I said, are you ex, are you Mormon? He's like, I'm ex Mormon. So of course then we're giving each other these big old hugs. Like, and then I said, well, you know what? I started a podcast called Mormons on mushrooms. And he says, what? I have that podcast on my phone right now. <laughs> Dude, I, hold up, hold up. To hear Greg tell it, he said, oh, you mean this podcast? And pulled his phone <laughs> out and had it up, right? That's the story, that, the way I heard it. Is that right, Greg? That is the quote. That, that actually happened. So like, like saying like, you mean this podcast? Yeah. 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 I wasn't going to waste that. Dude, are you kidding me? He teed it up for me. Dude, he that's one of the all time So perfectly. He said, by the way, I've started this podcast called Mormons on Mushrooms. And I reached in my pocket. You mean, you mean this podcast? <laughs> Dude, honestly. And then Greg, do you know the story about me meeting you? I don't you think I, I told it. You and I meeting? Mm-hmm. You mean at you, the you, brewery? At the brewery. But you, I don't think that you know this part of the story. Mike knows this part of the story. Yeah. Tell me. So we had, you know, Mike had been talking about Greg and oh my gosh, he just, 
like he's just, he shines like his energy. Like you just, he's just, and so I had this image of you in my mind, you know, leading up. I was like, Oh, I can't wait to meet this Greg. And earlier in the day, I met a Greg and I just assumed it was this Greg, the Greg that I'm talking to right now. And I kind of pulled my great guy. Awesome. Awesome dude. But I pulled Mike aside and I was like, man, I, that Greg is so much different than I sort of had built up in my mind. Um, I just, it, it, it's, it's kind of, I'm trying to square that circle. Like it's, he's just very different. And then Mike goes, oh, that's not, that's not the Greg I was talking about. And as we're talking, remember Mike, we're standing up in the brewery right next to our table at those wooden tables. And right then I kind of look up before Mike says anything, there's this homeboy who comes walking around the corner and I turn to Mike and I'm like, oh, that's Greg. And Mike goes, yes, that's Greg. And I was like, yep. Like, it was like, dude. So (laughs) listeners, people of the world, people of the universe, when Mike tells you that this dude is like glowing and this beautiful entity. Yeah. You see it. You'll see it immediately when you meet this dude. Like, it's not like, Oh, different than I was expecting. It's like, Oh no, there he is. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I don't think you know that story, do you, Greg? I I did, uh, I I held that back a little bit. Dude, that was beautiful. That makes my heart want to melt in tears of appreciation and joy and flattery. So, yeah. Be flattered cuz I that's why that Greg, that's why I walked up to you and was like, "Greg?" and like gave you that the first thing we did to each other was hug the fucking life out of each other. Yeah, you know what we should have done? We should have just started making out, man. I mean, I was down. I just didn't want to like, I didn't want to cross boundaries, you know? That would have blown, that would have blown minds. Hell yeah, man. People would have been like, wait, what's up? <laughs> Sorry, did I just totally ruin the vibe? <laughs> what? No, you. that's the vibe we want. Greg, man. this is our vibe. <laughs> uh, any podcast that doesn't kind of end in like a spiritual, like energetic orgy between the three of us <laughs> is not a fucking podcast episode I want to release. You know? All right. So you're just priming the pump. Um, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> hands, Greg, where's hands? Okay. <laughs> um, damn, but it felt like to me, it felt like a remembering. And I even said that that night we were playing music with Eric around here. I was like, you guys, I'm feeling like this just feels like a remembering of like yeah. some sorts. And I think that's, and that was another thing about that night was like of the roadshow. It just felt like we're all remembering shit. But yeah, so that was how we met Greg. That's how I met Greg. And Greg, we've been working together for a while. Um, so as a coach who specializes in like helping people through trans- life transitions, you know, embracing death for rebirth. I gear the perfect person to help in this community in that way. And so we've been working together and there's something you, uh, in one of our sessions that just really resonated with me, which is this drama triangle that you were talking about. And I think that night was like an illustration of how, what it looks like when we're outside of that drama triangle, outside of those narratives, we're not following, follow, <laughs> falling in the same traps that the church has tried to keep us in. So even as we leave the church, we're still in their fucking drama triangle. Now we're the villain and they need, they, the church needs a villain. If they don't have a villain, they don't have a triangle. And so they want us to be the villain. They want to keep us in that space. And so I feel like there was something about that night where it was like, we're all here. 
And I felt like we were out of that space. And that was so beautiful. So it's like, let's talk to Greg. Let's have him bring this on and chat about the drama triangle. And so, yeah. Well, yeah. So actually, I've been thinking about this quite a bit since the weekend because there was, um, you actually just laid out and diagrammed one particular dynamic that I didn't even consider. All of a sudden, the Mormons on Mushrooms audience is the villain. Here's what's interesting. How many of us think that we're the villain of our own movie or of our, or of our own life story? Nobody. Nobody thinks they're the villain. To, but so to go back, this is a really interesting exercise, to go back and try and imagine myself not as the victim, but as the villain in this, in this triangle, in this triangle, that's, re- that's a really interesting exercise that I think I'm going to approach with some definite curiosity after this podcast. That's interesting. Well, I didn't yeah. mean specifically Mormons on mushrooms. I meant ex-Mormons in general. Yes, absolutely. But anybody, anybody outside of the church that has left the church who has all the understanding and who basically, when we basically said, we're going to live our lives on our own terms, once we were able to do that, we, step, we did step out of the drama triangle because up to that point, the church was our hero. Okay. So you've got, so you think of a triangle, all right? Think of a triangle. And on each point of the triangle, you write down hero, villain, or victim. Okay. Now, all three of these roles have very specific behavioral dynamics between the other two roles. Okay. So a hero needs a victim to rescue. The hero also needs to battle a villain. The victim needs the villain to kidnap them and they need the hero to rescue them. And the villain is up at the top. He needs someone to oppress and then he also needs someone to either confront or fight or run away from whatever. So if we were to think of ourselves as the victim in this particular situation. I think that the, the way that the church is structured and the nature of the church just lends itself to this natural dynamic. And it's a dynamic that we all are totally drawn to over 2 million years of evolutionary DNA has told us to be scared, to look for someone else. Like don't rock the boat because if you leave if you leave the community, you're going to die because if you get kicked out of the community, if you get kicked out of the tribe sometime over the past 2 million years, you're either going to die from the elements, you're going to die from a predator, or you're going to die from another set of people who basically view you as a threat and they're going to pick you off. So in our DNA is this survival mechanism that basically just says, Look for heroes, look for like, like we can, we are naturally victims in this situation. And the church becomes what? The hero. Because the church tells us what to do. It gives us access mm. to the priesthood. Mm. And it's and so so in that role, it's it's playing the hero. And by saving us from drugs and sin, oh, and sex, right? From the, the best man. one. Right. (laughs) Those are the villains. And then all of a sudden you've got this wonderful community 
that basically says, watch this. We're going to swap those two. We're going to swap the hero into the villain role. And we're going to take all of like the drugs and the sex and the sin. And we're going to put it in the hero role because now we're so health. Now we're healthy enough that we can recognize what's really good for us. Instead of what people are going to tell us. There's a lot of potential trauma that can happen in that process because it's like being betrayed by a parent. The well, parent, we, the, 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 like parent. The, it becomes almost like the archetypal parent because you believe totally. it's like the, the heavenly father becomes your image of the archetypal father, heavenly mother who doesn't really exist. So you, you feel rejected by like the, the father. Totally. Yeah. Here's the great thing. Through increased awareness, we are able to to have a better understanding of how these systems work. And we're able to identify them and recognize them early on in in our relationship process. And we can say, hold on a second. I know what this is about. And I know how to manage this now without just just being uh, reactive to it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. Uh Well, what I love about it is, um, what were you saying? Sorry. I just said, where, where was I? Cause I, oh. I think I was, there was another point that I was supposed to make there. What did we oh, just was talk there, about? Were there? We were talking about the hero. You flipped the hero and the villain. And trauma. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. So it becomes this thing of like, for my, for me, as you say, it flips the hero and the, and the, and the villain. Yeah. Are we always in that? So in this triangle, are we, as I'm experiencing life, am I always in that role of victim or do I evolve from that too? Like what's the, so here, okay. How does that work? Excellent question. We actually are not always in the victim role. Sometimes we go into hero role. For example, if you're, if you hold the priesthood and if you are a home teacher, you're a hero. Okay. You're Superman showing up. Right. And villain, we could be the villain. Like again, as we, when would we be the villain? I'm not really sure. Anyway, like within the Mormon church? Yeah. I don't know if we ever see ourselves as the villain in the Mormon church, do we? Like, Well, maybe, maybe, but maybe we, I feel like, hold up. Like I was the villain frequently. And that's why I was on my knees doing the real hefty mm-hmm. prayers to God. Because my, my breaking of that priesthood oath or my, my not living up to my home teaching numbers or my not being a, a good husband or, or member of the church. That was me. I was villainizing me. Instead, I went from the bad guy. You were the bad bad guy. guy. I hate being the bad guy. You guys, I know, but, 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 but but here's, what's interesting. None of us wants to be the bad guy because we all have really good hearts. Right. And I don't think anybody like thinks, unless you're a sociopath and you can't empathize with anybody, but I don't think anybody wants to be the asshole. Right. No one wants to be the bad guy. But then we feel like that role has been placed upon us. And it's just like, uh, fuck, you know? So is oh. it where, wow, I'm just trying to sit with that for a minute. So we're talking about shifting between those different roles. And even like it is this, we're talking about from the Mormon perspective, from the ex-Mormon perspective, I know that like, for some of my friends and family, I have become the villain in their hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. You are totally an unknown quantity. You are dangerous and you are threatening to their survival. 
that's their 2 million year old evolutionary Whoa. DNA. Yeah. Well, and then in my story, I now see the church as the villain. A hundred percent. Because it used to be the hero, then it betrayed you. And now all of these things that we do, and some of it, I'm not going to lie, is a little bit of confirmation bias, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Because some got, some people can take that like really far away and then just completely deny their experience in the church and some of the good things that it brought us, right? The idea is to get to a point where we take ourselves out of any of those three roles and we transform ourselves into a different role. Okay. So for example, if we, if we, once we step out and we are intentional about recognizing this particular system and these dynamics, if we're in the victim role, if we've been kind of sitting in that space, we become what's called the creator. Hmm. Okay. So we are no longer a victim. In fact, we become a creator, right? We see things, we create things, we move things. We are energetically moving forward and not waiting for someone to do something for us or to oppress us. Like we're creating Hmm. what was created the other night was fucking epic. Right. That's interesting. The victim goes to a creator. So do you know how much strength was built? Because we have all been living under that victim paradigm. And then we come to a place where all of a sudden we are in the creator paradigm. That is a total 180. Right. So everybody in there was just like, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm not. Now, people would talk about their trauma for sure. And I think people felt really safe to talk about their trauma because that container was super strong, super fast, and really tight. And everybody felt it. Everybody felt safe there. Right. Yeah. So we went from this victim situation to this creator situation right the other thing is like one more thing real quick go for it the victim i'm just realizing how long i've played the victim card in my life or been in that role because in the mormon church we were the victims of the world like the persecution complex is a very mormon complex i mean very real to the extreme right so all my life i'm the victim of the world then i become the victim of the church like i love the victim card man I love that role. Yeah, man, and, you get empathy. Uh-huh. But you know what it is? This is only a reflection of coping strategies and survival mechanisms that you have developed since you were a little kid. And there are this is the this is the greatest thing about expanding our minds. In whatever modality you choose, as you expand your mind, you get to see more things. And when you see more things, you have more choices. And when you have more choices, you have intention and influence in the way that your life progresses, which means if you want, you can co-create the exact life you want somewhere in the future. I've done it. You guys are doing it. You guys are doing it. Whoa. You can see the future. You can, with with everything that you're building, you can see the future. It's not hard at all to imagine this conference or this this organization, the roadshow. 
it is so easy to imagine 400. It's easy for me to imagine 2,500. Damn, dude. Wow. It's easy for me to see that. Dude, imagine the energy of that right there. Well, it, it occurs to me, and this might be nothing, but it occurs to me while we're talking about this drama triangle that all three roles are separate, but are, but are part of the same, what makes it a triangle, right? So that, that, that strength that exists within the structure of a triangle would be a straight line. If it was just, there's just a victim and a hero. If they, if, if there's just a victim and a hero, then it's a straight line for the hero to save the day or to be, to stand up for the victim or, or do whatever it is. It, 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 there's a requirement of there to exist a villain. And, and I wonder how often I create villains so that I can complete that triangle. And, and, you know, we're talking right now about the church starting as the hero, uh, maybe now being the villain and us as the, the collective, as these people being victimized by the church. But what happens when we, when we shift that and, Maybe like the villain and the, what the fuck am I trying to say here? Uh, I'm a little high. Hero? <laughs> no, not the hero. The victim and the, uh, the victim and the villain are in that, like, maybe on that base, that on that baseline. And the hero is up top when there, where there's that, there, what, the point I'm trying to make, and it's, it's muddled as it's coming out, but it's making very much sense in my brain that all three need each other. And so I wonder how much we, we create that. Mike, you talked about victim mentality that exists within the church, that, that persecution complex. If anybody cheers against BYU, they're not cheering for their own team. They're cheering against BYU. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For someone to just cheer for their team, that means they've got their own hero relationship going on. Yeah. Okay. Now let me ask you this in that situation. How many roles can you apply to that? All three. Uh, I mean, all of them, mm. all three of them. Totally. You know, and I, I know I'm using sports, which is just this random thing, but, but like the church needs all three of those roles. I totally yeah. all three of those roles. Totally. We need all three of those roles to exist or else we just have this really uninteresting straight line that exists. Well, we do have a lot of drama. Okay, so there's a lot of energy that gets that gets generated in those types of dynamics. Here's how we take it up an octave. When we flip it and we and we come out of that drama triangle in whatever role we're playing, I forgot to mention the other two. So victim turns into creator. If oh. we okay, so victim yep. turns into creator. Hero turns into coach. Nice. All right. So the coach is basically saying, like, I'm not going to rescue you. I'm going to show you how to rescue yourself. I love that. And then the victim becomes the creator and says, I'm going to create a solution to rescue myself. The villain becomes the challenge. It's just a challenge. There's nothing. We don't have to attach good or bad. Have you guys ever heard? Have you guys ever heard of that? That story that. Alan Watts tells, it's a, a, a horrible title. It's very dated. So forgive me. He calls it the Chinese farmer. Okay. Oh, yeah. Why yes. he has to be Chinese. I have no idea. 
But the bottom line is that this is such a beautiful lesson in living in equanimity and being able to identify that everything that comes to us is a gift. Okay. It's either a blessing that we can recognize and enjoy right now in the moment, or it's a blessing in disguise, something to be discovered sometime in the future to help us learn something, to help us give us a pattern, to help us give us an example. There's been a lot over the last couple of years, the universe, God, whomever source has decided to say, I need to shine a light on what dysfunction looks like. So I'm going to take the most recognizable person on earth, the president of the United States, and I'm going to show the whole world what dysfunction looks like so that you can recognize it going forward. Holy shit. I, I mean, I, I know I'm in the moment. Like we did not talk about that. I did not know about the drama triangle before we started talking. And I've got to tell you the transformation of the victim to the creator, the hero to the coach and the villain to the challenge creates an entirely different symbiotic working together in unison, healthy version of that triangle. Instead of everyone vilifying one another, I mean, a challenge is that's, I mean, I, I, I don't speak for everybody, but a challenge is the best thing ever, right? It's like, okay, yeah. we're going to tackle this. I want to, I want to tackle this challenge because I know growth comes through this challenge and I don't have to make the challenge a villain. I don't have to make the challenge, this bad guy. I can make the challenge, this thing that's part of my growth. I, I can make the challenge, this thing that's part of taking me to new levels, to, to new, to new versions of myself. Oh my God. Like you, man, Greg, cool you shit, you, huh? That's you cool laid that shit. out. You laid that out well, because as you were saying, like, okay, the victim becomes a creator and the hero becomes the coach. I was like, okay, I can get down with that. And I was trying to like figure out, okay, well then what about the role of that villain? And then as soon as you said it, it like connected, it, it connected in a way that like, the way I pictured the gift of tongues working for me on my mission, I, I, I pictured the gift of tongues was going to be this thing where Oh man, I don't speak Chinese. I don't speak Chinese, but I'm being worthy. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to be like God's righteous little boy. And then suddenly it's just going to all start making sense to me. That never happened to me. I had to keep working and learning Chinese. But when you said that the, you laid it out and then you said that the vic, the villain becomes the challenge, it connected in a way that lit me up. I'm you guys probably noticed that I like kind of jumped. I was like, holy shit, it all makes sense. I, you know what it does for me, Doug? Yeah. Cause so much time, so, so much in psychedelics has been a learning of like, we're all here in a cosmic play, right? Yes. And it's like, okay, well, in order to come down in a cosmic play, we assign people to come down and play this hierarchical, hierarchical, hierarchical. Did I say that right? <laughs> hierarchical. Hmm. Dude, Go in here, the fucking church. We, it's like, yeah. hey, you're going to come down and play the role of Russell M. Nelson and we're going to hate your fucking guts because like you're going to be like this like Mr. Burns type villain thing and you're going to think you're the hero. Nothing, <laughs> Nothing's worse than like 
Mr. Burns thinking he's the hero. Like what, what story are we even in right now? We're in Mr. Burns' story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it kind of shows you that like, Oh, you're here. I remember you're here to, to challenge me and you're playing that role and no one likes to play the villain. And so maybe he doesn't like playing his role, you know? There's 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 a lot. Maybe he's unaware of the role that everyone else uh, uh, attaches to him. Like like Greg said, we are all the heroes of our own story. And sometimes we go into victim mode and say, okay, well, now that I'm playing victim, here's who's saving me. Here's who's uh, you know, uh, what was word oppressing me. Sometimes, and these are the worst moments. Have you all had it? Where sometimes you realize that you have been the villain. Yes. Right. Dude, have you ever been on that Reddit thread that's called Am I the Asshole? Yeah. And by the way, that thre- that fucking subreddit is so weird because it's like, hey, uh, I I took a bunch of puppies from a from a a, a, a shelter. And I tied him up in a sack and threw him into a river. Am I the asshole? It's, it's like, what? yes, you're the fucking asshole. Like, Dude, I think that's a different subreddit. I think you are. I think you're on. Am I the psychopath? Okay. You need to make sure that you're checking the spell check. It's that's not. Am I the asshole? That's like, like am I the crazy serial killer? All right. I'll do. I'll use a better example. Hey, I was in uh, the grocery store the other day and this little kid was running around. So I tripped him. Am I the asshole? Yeah, motherfucker, you're the asshole. Do you even have to put this on the on the internet? Of course you're the asshole. You tri- <laughs> you trip the kid. That's you're running around tripping kids. You don't know that you're the asshole. That one's funny. So <laughs> if we're caught up in the drama track, sorry, I'm just I'm just going forward here. <laughs> yeah, I know. I went on a whole tirade. Um, I'm I'm just kind of curious. Like, is it just is it an awareness thing of like, holy shit, I'm a, I'm feeling like a victim here. Now I can be aware that I am, I can be a creator or I, you know, or how, how do we, how do we pull ourselves out of this? A lot of it starts with just it. Sometimes you could even go back to, and I don't want to like talk about a bunch of triangles, but if you guys remember like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Mm -hmm. right. Okay. So that bottom line is you you have to have physiological safety or you have to feel physiologically like you gotta have, you gotta have a place to, you gotta have a place to eat, live, poop, all that, all kind of like the basic stuff. So then you need to have safety, right? And those types of areas, if you've had a lot of trauma, it's really important to get the, the proper therapy for that before you start doing like a lot of different things, right? So just going through, and for example, if you were to take uh, your Myers-Briggs, you know, and, and again, none of these things are the truth, it, but it does shed some light if you approach these as tools, right? Mm-hmm. So you take your Myers-Briggs, you write, you read through your assessment and you highlight the stuff that, that resonates with you. And you say, where else is this showing up in my life? Then you take, for example, the positive intelligence assessment, and it will tell you, it will help you understand how our judge really is driving the show and that we have nine other associate judges that are sabotaging us. They used to be uh, effective coping strategies, but as adults, they're totally getting in our way of our growth, right? Mm -hmm. So So you take that assessment test, you read that and you're thinking again, what resonates with me and where is this, where also is this showing up in my life? 
as those things start, as we start to get more and more awareness, we start to feel into our bodies and then we can do things like meditation. And then we can do things like, you know, maybe some stronger psychedelics. And then at the top, when we've worked out as much stuff as we can, then we're ready to really, really open up and merge with the universe. And there are some people in this audience right now who understand what I'm talking about. When that happens, your life completely changes and you are filled with love, compassion, peace, and very little suffering, very little suffering because you know, you understand how to co-create your life. And that's, again, I'm the only reason I share this is because I've done it. I, I owned um, a really wonderful, I helped build a couple of businesses in Seattle. I owned this uh, very successful advertising agency. I was making all of the money I wanted to make, had the top floor rad corner apartment at, <laughs> in Green Lake in Seattle. And I was miserable. I was miserable, miserable. And I didn't know why. And then a bunch of things started to happen and I could tell that the universe was basically saying, dude, your life is going to change completely. I started on a spiritual path that included a month long trip to Esalen. It included multiple types of certification training, including Kundalini yoga, which I teach every single week to at risk kids that are in these, um, recovery centers. And it's so amazing to be able to connect with them and just give them an opportunity to just relax their minds for a moment. Right. How amazing is Kundalini yoga, man? There are so many great modalities. Kundalini yoga is an amazing modality. Breath work is an amazing modality. And a lot of people listening are like, I already know that. I already know I'm supposed to do yoga. I already know I'm supposed to meditate. I already know I'm supposed to do that. I don't have the time. I've got kids. I've got work. I've got all this stuff. I totally understand. And that's totally valid. That's, you don't have to do it that way. You can, you can get into a mindful state to increase awareness simply by like closing your eyes, dropping your shoulders, relaxing your jaw, taking three deep breaths, and then look for your heartbeat. Hmm. And as you look for your heartbeat, you're bringing all of your awareness inside. The monkey mind is gone. Now, as soon as I said that, you're probably thinking, of, oh, monkey mind. Oh, yeah, I saw that Netflix thing. Oh, yeah. What, what are we going to monkey mind? Bananas. Oh, man, I'm kind of <laughs> I was doing that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you just do that for like 30 seconds throughout the day, it will change your life. Oh, my gosh. What I love about this, Greg, is that you're highlighting that it is, I feel like it's, it's, the, it's our nervous system our trauma responses that often keep us trapped in this uh, drama triangle. Totally. Yeah. And so it's not so easy as like, Oh, now I'm now, I'll, now I know about the drama triangle. I'm going to be aware and I'm, I'm done. 
no, you're going to get caught up in it again. And I'm going to get caught. We're having this discussion. I'm going to get fucking caught up in it again. I, I know it. Like some apostle is going to say something and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be all mad and pissed. And it's going to trigger my emotions, but it's triggering those to release them. And I think that's what we were seeing that on Friday, we were seeing people who were working to release those triggers when they come up and instead of attaching to it, you know, there's a, you can get caught up in it for a while and then be like, Oh wait, no, Russell and Nelson, Dallin H Oaks. He's just challenging me now and feel that. Challenge. Yeah. And so what happens in that drama triangle? If all of a sudden the church doesn't have a villain anymore, these ex Mormons, if we just all of a sudden be like, all, Oh yeah, you're just challenging me. Yeah. You know what happens to their narrative? Dude, that takes some, yeah. that takes some pretty fucking dope growth right there. Cause right. Even right now, yeah, I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm going to start checking out the challenges and immediately my, my brain, my monkey brain that you were talking about, Greg is like, let me throw, let me throw some major stuff up at you and see if you can turn this villain into a challenge. And it's like, okay. All right. Homeboy. I'm talking to myself here. All right, homeboy. Let's take it one step at a time. Let's work on going from a victim to creator, you know, and then maybe when, when, when it, when it, when it's called, when I'm called for it, instead of trying to play hero role, instead of trying to play the hero ball, what if I tried to play coach? And once I do those things and get a little bit more comfortable in that rhythm, you know, then I can start being like, all right. I'm ready to look at some of these villains and say, what's up challenge. Like, let's try it. You know, it's not like, okay, I get it. It's like you were saying, Mike, it's like, okay, I get it. Thank you, Greg, for telling us about it. No, dude, I got to practice. Let me, let me practice transforming those moments when I really do go into victim mentality or victim mode. Let me try to convert that. Let's start there. Cause that's probably the, that's probably the role. Hero is probably the role I try to play most in my life. But victim is the most powerful one, right? Well, what's interesting is that the, all of these roles, again, are part of our DNA. So, yeah. so it, it's expected. It's totally expected that we all do it. We all do it. It has kept our species alive for 2 million years. Okay. But as we practice this, we begin to transform into something different. So once we see, like, for example, we get a little bit of awareness and instead of just maintaining this natural cycle that we fall into of drama triangle, let me throw something out. The natural man is an enemy to God. Yeah. Now, first of all, the fact that like God has any enemies, whatever. It's right. <laughs> Doesn't it blow? It's, it's a mind, it's a mind blow. Okay. But let's just, but let's just, let's just, how about we say this? If the natural man is an enemy to the order of the universe. Okay. The natural man is an enemy to the natural order of the universe, but the transformational person becomes the universe. Oh, wait. Can you repeat that again real quick? Here's another one. Sorry. Hold on. Okay, sorry. (laughs) 
as man now is, God once was, mm. right? Oh, shit. <laughs> this as one's God a is one. now, man may become. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Poof. <laughs> I'm having oh, a man. I'm having a wave. I'm having a wave right now. Yeah. Greg, one of our very first episodes. Um, I mean, we're still babies when it comes to this thing, Mike, even now. But if I if I listen to old episodes, I'm like, listen to those like little tiny babies. <laughs> like there was one when we talked, Greg, we were talking about the natural man is an enemy to God. And I kind of went on this whole tirade about like you're dropped into this life and suddenly someone's like, Hey, by the way, you're, you're on the battlefield and your enemy is the most powerful being in the universe. And it's like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. I didn't sign up for that shit. (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to like, I'm just trying to chill. I don't want to be enemy to God. Why? But now I'm sitting here thinking, Oh man, this thing goes even deeper than that. I got to like, I got to like get in on this. I got to, I got to get in on this thing and just like really say, okay, dude, stop fucking around and let's start, let's start doing some real work on yourself. Like let's do it. Hold on. You're doing it. You're already doing it, dude. You're already doing it. You don't have to, you don't have to, you, you're so in it right now. You're so in it. You started a long time ago. You You've already got you, dude. You're like on your second ID badge. You've been promoted to like night shift supervisor. <laughs> dude, you're not even bagging groceries anymore. Like you're already, you're already way ahead. You're, you're in it, dude. You're pot committed. Oh my god, dude! I'm pot committed. <laughs> just, just, just keep going with the flow. You don't have to change anything. Man, that just like brought up, I just started making me cry, man. Yeah. So think about this. Holy shit. With all of this that you're accomplishing and all that you're generating, what is it about your need to achieve something more that's holding you back or that's held you back? Wow. And you don't even have to answer that right now. Just, just marinate on that. Just marinate yeah. on that. I was just thinking, yeah. I know silence doesn't make good radio, but that was the best silence we ever had on the podcast. I felt like right on. I like and that. that. That was a shot across the old bow, man. I, I, I just, uh, yeah. I, uh, I, there's an answer to that question, uh, Greg, and it's it's probably a um, you and me talking kind of answer, you know. Sure, man. It goes into it, it goes into. Uh, I, I think I've discussed multiple times. My biggest fear is fear of abandonment, fear of being worthless to the tribe, and so I do a lot more than I'm capable of. I do a lot to try to play that hero role. To, to try to um, earn my keep as it were, right. To try to let people know, Hey, 
let's keep Doug around because he does this thing that we all need him to do. And uh, yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of bolting me right in the chest here with that. And I'm, I'm having like a breakdown kind of, so apologies, but um, yeah. Yeah. The answer is fear of being uh, left behind. And I gotta get, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta see myself in a different light so that I don't have to constantly fulfill that role. Cause I, cause no one needs it. No one needs me to fulfill that role. I need me to fulfill that role so that I can, so that I can fill some bucket that makes me feel worthy or valued or, or um, not in danger of exile. Oh, I wasn't expecting to get that fucking belt to the heart. That was rad, dude. That was good work right there, man. That was good work. Let that integrate. (laughs) You just went on a journey. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. I kind of lied earlier. I said I couldn't love you anymore in that moment. I kind of love you more even now, you know? (laughs) Um, I do want to bring up one thing before we kind of close out because I want to acknowledge that we are three white men talking, three white men, ex-Mormons to tell people to, especially women who have, you know, the patriarchy hurts men and women, but it certainly hurts women yeah, so much. Right. And so I don't know, I guess I'm just feeling a, a sense of like what, um, you know, maybe it's easier for men to say, just pull yourself out of the drama triangle. But like, if you're a, a woman who's been like, maybe you gave up your dreams and, you, you got married at 21 or 20 to a man and you gave up college and what you wanted to do for your life. And you birthed a fuck ton of kids like respected to in Mormonism. And now you've left and you're like, what, you know, or maybe you're not, you're not like, I don't know. You just like, that's it. I guess I just want to acknowledge that. And like how that, I don't know what my question is other than Is it hard? Like, what what can we say to that? You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the demographic of the uh, of the road show was pretty much reflective of the demographic of Salt Lake City and the demographic of the church, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, all three of us have an extreme luxury to have been able to do some of the things that we've been doing. Huge, huge benefits, huge benefits. I mean, honestly, if we think about it, okay, we're all white, we're all men. Two out of the three of us are really good looking. Guys, I didn't mean to, I don't need to get this shade. (laughs) (laughs) And not only that, we get the priesthood to the only true path to heaven. Yeah. We hit the like ultimate jackpot. I mean, we're not even just entitled white American men. We have the keys to the kingdom. We've all been on missions. We've all been through the temple. We've all held priesthood callings. Right. And it's like, once you let go of all of that stuff, 
there is you 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 it is a lot easier to understand and see and be open to receiving information from people that have had extremely different experiences than us and i think that that what happened on friday again was so beautiful it was so beautiful i really hope that people in the future get to experience i hope that next year it's it's even half as good as it was this year as far as the as far as the feeling is concerned because everybody in there was feeling love for everyone in that room and everyone outside of that room oh yeah yeah let's just be you know let's be good dads let's be good employers we've got this we are in this situation what are we going to do with it exactly what we're doing we're trying to make a positive impact in the world we're trying to steer the ship in a direction of compassion and inclusion and equanimity and being able to just say we are everyone else we are having parallel experiences this goes so far beyond what our minds could possibly comprehend in any fairy tale cartoon story that tries to get fed fed to us in this realm is pathetically lacking. And again, anybody who's done a lot of serious personal work and gotten to that place where you can have experiences where you understand what that feels like and you understand what that looks like, even just a tiny glimpse, your whole life changes. And all you want to do is live with love. Live with love. Greg, you, 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 uh, inadvertently, you just answered a question or a, or a comment that I made about you at the beginning of this thing. So you remember when I was talking about watching you work the room? Uh Uh-huh. So for me, this is, I can only speak for me when I'm going around introducing myself or saying hello to people or meeting new people. There is this, there is this insecurity in me that is, I hope this person likes me and finds me interesting. That, and, and that causes performance anxiety, but you just accidentally, maybe, or maybe you were doing it intentionally. I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but you just said, when you are interacting with other people, when you meet other people, when you see other people, everyone around you is you, is having the experience uh, maybe different than the experience that you're having as this certain entity called Greg, but that they are you. And we talk about that a lot on here. We talk about mirrors. We talk about reflections. We talk about all, you know, the, the, the collective consciousness and stuff like that. But it just... For some reason, the way you word things or the way you beam things out of you, I just had this thing where it just like slotted into place where I was like, oh, no wonder he's so good at going around and saying hello to everybody and doesn't fuck with talk about the weather. He's tapping into a a version of himself that he wants to, that he learned, that he loves and wants to learn more about right now. And you can't learn more about a version of yourself by saying, 
Can you believe the wind? Boy, it's been windy. <laughs> My goodness. That rain, boy. This is a Utah spring for you. No, you can't get to know other versions of yourself by saying that bullshit. We need the moisture, though, Doug. But we do need the moisture. I, you know, to credit Mike, we do need that goddamn moisture. <laughs> Say it but, again. Moisture. <laughs> moisture. It's the worst fucking word. I do hate the word moisture a lot. And and it, it's it's one of those words that you just like, the more you say it, moisture, 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 moisture. But Greg, I'm 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 trying to compliment you and I'm also trying to like inculcate it into my being of like, oh no, you're looking people in their eyes and you're saying, I recognize you because I think I think you and I are the same. And let's actually talk about something that matters and it's important to us. Oh, in a container that in the container that we had, that is super possible. Wow. In the outside world, it definitely takes a lot more trust. It takes integrity Mm. and it takes, and it takes a certain type of vibration. People, we feel it. Animals feel it. Babies feel it. The vibration that we're getting, that we're giving off is the vibration that we're attuning to. What, what vibrations are we attuning to? Where are we putting our effort? You know, as much as we can, like let's absolutely honor and process any difficult challenges and circumstances and trauma that we still have to do 100% do what you need to do to take care of yourself. And then there's so much that can open up. There's so much that can open up. So Mm. Whoever is listening to this and they're still dealing with a lot of trauma, I really encourage you to get whatever resources you can, whether that's cognitive behavioral therapy, whether that's EMDR, whether that's um, cognitive process therapy, you know, those types of things. And then if you need some sort of assistance, whether that's through, you know, MDMA or ketamine or some of those things, if those are accessible to you, those can also really help with this, with those very difficult first steps and make it easier. And as you feel safer and as you feel more love and connected again, all of this stuff becomes much easier to recognize because we're out, we're out of the freak out zone. We're out of that zone where it says we have to be good enough. We have to, we have to achieve enough or else we're going to get kicked out of the tribe and we're going to die. This tribe is exactly the tribe that all of these people who have left the church, who have gone through the experiences, it gives, here's what it does. It gives the patriarchy, us white men, right? Who are in the church to really hear the, to truly hear and embrace the stories of others because now they finally feel safe in sharing them. I mean, Tessa's songs, Tessa's song about being gay was perfect for this audience. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. But then I'm just thinking to myself, I wonder what it was like for her to start writing that. I wonder what it was like for her when she decided she was going to write it. I wonder what it was like for her when she first started thinking about like the tune or whether or not she should write a song. Like what was going on in her life? When she finally prompted and that kind of question, like, what was the thing that prompt, was there a thing that prompted you to finally decide to leave the church? What was that? Hmm. What was that like? 
Can I talk about this for just a second? Totally. I know we need to wrap it up. Part of that, you're talking about all the different therapies. Part of it's finding a fucking good coach who can coach you through all these life transitions, yes. Greg. And like yes. you, like, I mean, I, I just, you are such a person to do that and help people through this. Yeah. But when you say that moment and going from the role of a victim to a creator, Doug, this was the, this was the experience that I had last Friday that just really just brought me to tears. Two and a half years ago, I could play one song on the guitar. And I practiced that for months leading up to the reggae festival we went to. And I played a Tim Minchin song. Yeah, I remember. Before then, I, had, I couldn't, I never, I knew some of the chords. I couldn't play a song from start to finish. And we went to the reggae festival. We heard Xavier Rudd there. And, it, and then he was playing in LA here. I'm like, I've got to go back there to see Xavier Rudd. I'm there. I'm a little high. And I kind of get this voice being like, people want to hear your music. Yes. And I was like, what are you fucking talking about voice? Like, I don't, I don't know how to play the guitar. I don't write music. Well, it's like, well, play the guitar. I'm like, I've tried for years and I can never get it. Well, just practice. Well, when make the time. And so I made the time, I guess, you know, there was a moment there on Friday where I'm playing the songs that I wrote and people are singing along, they're laughing, they're crying to music that came from me. And I was like, holy shit, what can we create here? And that was like a moment where it was like, and that was two and a half years ago. So if you're listening and you're like, I'm not creative, I'm not this, I'm not bullshit, man. Bullshit. You've got, if you you say you're not creative, it's just because you've been holding onto this well inside of you. That's just like simmering in there. And as soon as you drill down, that well is going to burst up and you you just won't even believe what you're going to create. That's the magic of all that. We were like the people who were there, we were creating something. We were tapping into these wells that we've like kept hidden and kept repressed under this uh, patriarchal religion for so long. And now we get to just like, imagine all these wells like bursting up every individual well and how much that fertilizes the earth and creativity. And that's when we, that's when we live the enchanted life. I mean, we're living it now, but it's going to get fucking fun. You guys. I think (laughs) It's pretty epic. Well, Greg, Sorry, Greg. Oh, yeah. Where can they find you? So Tell the me. easiest way to find me is just at gregbutcher.com. Yeah. No, that's it. <laughs> P-U- my phone B-U-T-C-H-E-R. Yeah. Sorry. It's, it's Greg Butcher, G-R-E-G-B-U-T-C-H-E-R, gregbutcher.com. Perfect. Gregbutcher.com. If you go to the end, it has my phone number. Please send me a text. Um, and if you go to my email, please send me an email and yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody that is interested in some of the topics we discussed today. And if anybody has any questions again, doing this is what lights me up more than anything else. And this is why I am living my dream life because all I'm doing is I'm just passing along stuff that I learned that I've learned over the past 10 years. And I just want to share it with people because it totally works. Okay, guys, I got some shit to deal with tonight. Like, I got to go sit with what we've talked about. I just want to say, Greg, we've known each other for a 
fairly short time in the grand scheme of like our current conscious existence. But uh, you're, I don't know, man, I recognize you and I love you and I appreciate you doing this today. I really love you. I love you guys. Seriously. You, 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 like I said, you introduced me to a family and a community that I didn't know that I, I didn't know existed and I didn't even know I wanted, but now again, like I've said, now that I do, I am so grateful. I am so grateful. And I know that I echo the sentiments of all of the people that I spoke to over the weekend. We are all so grateful for the fact that you guys were brave enough and had the energy enough to put this thing together because we all experienced it this weekend. It was amazing. It was really amazing. The only thing I have to say to that, Greg, is it was my fucking pleasure. (laughs) It was my pleasure, man. Highlight of my life, one of them. So thank you. It was awesome. All right, fellas. I'm out. Okay. Love you. See you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. We have so much fun recording it. And if you love it, we would absolutely love it. If you could leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts, it would really help our visibility so more people can listen to it and be enlightened and hear our crazy stories. So thanks again for tuning in. Bye.